Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Positive Talk Podcast with co-hosts Julie Homridge and Chuck Allen. They are in Season 2, merging faith and psychology, and you picked a great day to join in the conversation. At Positive Talk Podcast, a licensed therapist and a pastor join voices to help us all discover a more peaceful and purpose-filled life. So settle in and join Julie and Chuck for this week's episode of the Positive Talk Podcast. Well, it's a great day, and I want to thank you all for joining us on another Positive Talk podcast where we trust that you'll find an encouraging and positive word. You know, Julie, over the past few weeks, we've discussed stages of change, how to know when someone is ready for change, and how to support them as they decide on whether or not to make a change, Mm -hmm. which is just a mouthful when you think about it. And we talked about change, how it is hard for a number of reasons Either we don't believe we can change, I mean, even if we desperately want to, mm-hmm. or often just feel stuck, like I, I, there's just no change available. I'm just bogged down. Yeah. But it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking that we have little control over our own lives. And when this happens, we just allow life occasionally to just happen to us. Right. I mean, I've been there. Yeah, me and too. We, we can stay stuck in places that we don't want to be, but that's not how life has to go. Yeah. I mean, you can choose your thoughts, which means you can choose to change mm-hmm. and you can renew your mind. Now, I don't, I, I want to be careful because sometimes uh, you and I talk about all, this all the time. It, when you make it sound like that, it sounds terribly elementary, but honestly, it's, it's, it's a fascinating concept mm-hmm. when you relate how our mind and our thoughts address change. Yeah. And so we have this ability and it can very well shift your entire paradigm on what your life choices are. Right. And so here's the principle I want to talk about today. The life that you desire to create is directly proportionate to your ability to tolerate its opposite. Okay, I want you to say that all over again. Yeah, it's kind of like a a paradigm. So the life that you desire to create is directly proportionate to your ability to tolerate its opposite. So if I held my hands out like a scale, Mm -hmm. the ability to tolerate um, or desire to create a change... Mm -hmm it has to be directly proportionate to my ability to look at its complete opposite and kind of hold them in the same time. Hold them and yeah, and tolerate them until you can get to that change. So the life you want is waiting for you, but it's only going to become a reality for you if you have the ability to tolerate its opposite in the process. So let me clear, let me give some examples. So choosing to set boundaries for healthy relationships, it will have you feeling lonely in the meantime. Yeah, okay, I agree. Okay. I, I see that. So saving money will have you feeling broke while you do it. Okay. Yeah. So a, a couple that's in debt, eighty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, during the time that they are seeking the change to be debt free, mm-hmm. feels so painful because they don't have as much freedom to spend. Exactly. But it's a short term mm-hmm. that you must cope with, right? They must tolerate to, to get, get to what now. they want. Okay. So exercising and getting stronger, that will have you feeling weak while you're doing right. it, yeah. right? And then, of course, sore as you recover. But as we know about exercise, you're actually building strength mm-hmm. when you feel weak and when you feel sore. So I think the challenge is that when we begin the process of change, we immediately want to experience that desired result. Absolutely. Right? We have delay, you know, we can't delay gratification. It's hard. And then so when we start to feel 
the opposite when we start to feel lonely when we're setting boundaries or when we start to feel like we're missing out when we're you know saving money or when we start to feel weak when we're exercising we start to just kind of give up at yeah that so um so like in my case it I want to be healthier, therefore I need to lose weight. But the price you pay in the short term to do that, there has to be some persistence to get past that initial pain point. Yeah, tolerating that discomfort of of the change process. Because any change worthwhile, it does cost you something, Mm -hmm. right? But to be able to see the end in mind requires persistence to stay your way through some of that pain, right? Right, and even though it feels like the opposite in the moment, you're actually still working toward that desired goal. So... Again, you being the therapist, this that I always try to make things sound so simple, and I'm sorry about that. You're good at that. That's but, what. <laughs> so in my mind, it feels like this: Do do I want the change more than the short-term pain? Mm-hmm. So do I want to surrender that, or do I actually want to see that change happen? Yeah. Which again, if you look throughout all of the world in every industry in every culture, there's one consistent trend among the most successful people that continue to be able to tolerate and work their way through change. And that's the ability to persevere. Yes. Which sounds like it's all about grit. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like an Angela Duckworth thing, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just all about grit. But I have discovered that there are some things I I will never possess enough grit (laughs) to simply work my way through. (laughs) I need another way to go at that. But it is the ability to stand up and take a step forward when everybody else kind of sits down. A friend of mine puts it this way. It's it's time for the young lady stand up and the little girl sit down. Oh, right. (laughs) Okay. And so uh, he says it and it it sounds better, actually. But... um, (laughs) You know, our greatest leaders, uh, Abraham Lincoln, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., uh, do what I dare say, Colonel Sanders. Oh, I want some chicken. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> when it drips down your chin, you've got it just the right Don't. way. It's but, almost lunchtime here. Yeah. Or maybe if in the tech world, like a Steve Jobs, mm-hmm. are the people that in their stories, uh, whether you kind of agreed with who they are as a human, in their stories, they persisted beyond the norm. Mm-hmm. But that is what made them unique. Because it's not natural. It's a no. learned trait. It is. And and it's a learned trait that oftentimes we don't need other people to teach us as much as we just need to teach ourselves. To do. Yeah, it's yeah. a choice. So, so this means that persistence is most often the choice, as you say. And it's a matter of believing that there is indeed another way, possibly or probably a better way. Mm-hmm. And it's finding a way to reach the end result when the first 15 or 20 strategies fail you. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I'm so good at starting stuff. Mm. But to work past the pain point, the pain point is yeah. really a challenge. It, and you know, we experienced some of that when we launched ClearPath, mm-hmm. right? Or even with the podcast, like we got to work mm-hmm. through it. Mm-hmm. And now it feels like a sec- second nature to sit here and just talk about it. Have you seen the Instagram video? It's a song and it the song goes Sucking at something is the first step in being okay. kind of good at it. <laughs> I have totally seen that. And every time I do, okay, I, I have to admit this. I giggle a little bit yeah. because I think I have sucked so many times at so many different things. Sucking at something is the first yeah. sign of being kind I of totally good at it. I totally love that. Yeah. Like Brene Brown says, the first draft is always crap. Yeah. 
So still, although she doesn't say crap. You just gotta do it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so instead of giving up at the sign of discomfort, or as you would describe it, the opposite, mm-hmm. what if that was an indicator that it's actually working? The change process, yeah. Yeah. So it's it, to me, it's like, okay, you feel your muscles that are sore, mm-hmm. and it says, don't do it, don't do it. Mm-hmm. But what it's really saying is, do more of it because it's working. Yeah, keep yeah. going. But what if, it, what if it really is showing us that we can push through because this is evidence that we are on the path toward this ultimate goal? Yeah. Like my favorite story about persistence is Thomas Edison trying 9,999 times to perfect the light bulb and he just couldn't do it. So Mm -hmm. somebody says, you know, Mr. Edison, are you going to have 10,000 failures? And his response was, I didn't fail. I just discovered another way not to invent the electric light bulb. I love that. And we're going to talk about reframing in a minute. That's exactly exactly. what that is. So, so, uh, give us the therapist take on what are those steps in, in which we can take to increase our level of persistence. And I would say mm-hmm. there's a couple of simple things. Why is a big deal? Yeah. Like why am purpose. I even trying, right? Uh-huh. I, I know that there, there has to be times in your office where you literally help people get to their why. Identify their why, yeah. Uh, My husband has a whole technique he does with people in the business world um, called the why factor. And you guys would have to appreciate that Julie's husband is really a really bright guy. And anytime I've I've talked with him, I've come away and I thought, you know, I'm a little brighter because I've been around him. But, (laughs) But the why... Like, according to Simon Sinek, is everything. Yeah. If I know the why, I can tolerate almost anything. Mm-hmm. So if, if we can determine the why, then why not just go ahead and map out the possibilities? Mm-hmm. Even if it's a like a, a pen on a napkin. Yeah. You can just kind of... Because there is some secret sauce to actually getting it captured. Yeah. And it does open up our perspective to recognize that there are different pathways to the end result. Yeah, absolutely. And part of that is at some point you actually have to do something. Mm-hmm. You know? Give it a try. Even. Right. Yeah. yeah. You put it, put it into action. So time and time again, individuals are stopped along this journey of change, but just because we fail once doesn't mean our failures define us mm-hmm. or that the project might never work. Right. And it, it just simply means as Thomas Edison believed that we've discovered one more way that it doesn't work, mm-hmm. but that means that we're one step closer to achieving that result. Yes. So Julie, it seems as though there is a powerful and direct correlation between persistence or as again Duckworth would say continued grit, grit yeah. and the ability to hold this tension of competing thoughts in check. Mm-hmm. So if that's true, where does this line of thinking begin? Because it feels to me like it's not a it's not a physical issue yet, but it is all in our head. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about where that difficulty tolerating discomfort begins. Okay. Um, it, it's true. It's difficult to see beyond the present moment. And we are socialized this way. So if you think about a baby, at birth, they're helpless, right? They scream, they cry, they signal to us that they need us to get them out of that state of discomfort. And we oblige because they are helpless and they need us to care for them. But over time, you know, that baby turns into a toddler, preschooler, we introduce ways for them to meet their own needs um, while still supporting them. This mm-hmm. is what people talk about when they say a child needs to self-soothe. Essentially, right. that is... 
learning how to tolerate discomfort. Um, Now, there's an age-appropriate time for that. You know, a new baby can't really do that yet. But as children get older, they begin to learn this trait. Now, sometimes as parents, and I'm guilty of this at times myself, we want so badly to shelter our children from any type of pain that we take away the opportunity for them to learn how to tolerate that discomfort. Okay, so then when they start to feel any sign of discomfort, they think, I need to get out of this. I need to escape this instead of I can push through this. So when we do that, we stop them short of the gift of recognizing that they won't self-destruct if they have to utilize a little self-control. Yeah, from a faith perspective, that's a highly biblical model. Mm -hmm. It's like we learn best Mm -hmm. when we are in greatest need. Yeah. Yeah, and being able to recognize that it's okay to have a need and it's okay to feel a little bit um, of discomfort because when we do that and we get through it, it helps us realize that we can tolerate it. Mm -hmm. Um, So when we help children to learn to grow their tolerance of age-appropriate discomfort, we help them build these skills that we're talking about, these skills needed to be able to tolerate it, to tolerate that in-between phase, that opposite phase. Um, When they're faced with that change, they haven't quite reached their goal yet. Um, We help them see the in-between process of change is necessary and not as a block, but hey, this is just what you need to get through in order to get to your goal. And this helps them not give up when they're experiencing that opposite that we discussed. Now, adults can learn this too, um, because as we like to say here a lot at the Positive Talk podcast, the brain is like plastic. It can be moldable and learning new ways of thinking can be achieved at any age. Yeah, you know, at, at my age, so I'm in my early 60s, mm-hmm. and it's so easy, I think, for uh, for people to hit my age and always use this out. Well, that's just the way I am. <laughs> Can't teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah, which sounds so lazy mm-hmm. because that brain in my early 60s might be hitting at a peak time. Yeah. So why shut that down? Right. So we can grow our own capacity to tolerate that discomfort, that opposite mm-hmm. that comes with the initial part of chain. We, we can grow it. Because it's yeah. plastic, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. because it is moldable. Yep. And it can change direction. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I really am living proof of this. Yeah, me too. So we can build our ability to feel lonely without it overtaking us while we are setting boundaries. Right. It goes back to one of the first things you and I talked about on the podcast was one of your favorite words, yet. Yet. Mm-hmm. You know, we are we can move in that direction and, and we, we can utilize the self-control required to set and keep a budget, if you will, mm-hmm. while we're redefining goals. And, right. and that's true financially, but it's true physically. It's true in, in any, any goal or change we're looking at to reframe our feelings of weakness during a difficult time, a difficult mm-hmm. workout, a diffi- mm-hmm. difficult season in finances, a difficult season maybe in our health, mm-hmm. whatever that may, as our, as, as our continue shaping, whether it's physical or emotional, whatever that might be, it allows us to gain strength for the next round. Yeah. Believe this or not, Julie, when I was when when I was in high school, I was an athlete. That's mm-hmm. shocking to mm-hmm. look at me in the mirror now. I don't but think so. at once once upon a time, I ran the hurdles. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you know what's really weird? I was good at it. Mm-hmm. You know what I also learned? 
What? That if you stop running hurdles, you get bad in a hurry. Yeah, you got to practice. Because it's plastic. You have yeah. To, you, you have your to keep muscle memory, it. your yeah. brain memory, all yeah. of it. And you know, like most things, Chuck, our brains have this uncanny ability to adapt to whatever we focus on most. So that is why what we believe about change mm-hmm. will directly impact our ability to achieve it Absolutely. or not. So when we think about change, I think it's important to discuss willpower. Um, yep. And researchers who study this, they indicate that they there are three elements to consider when we are in this kind of in-between phase of setting a goal, this phase when we're, as we talked about, kind of tolerating the opposite um, before we actually reach the benefit or the intended result of the goal. Right. So there's a willpower researcher who's actually, that's that's an area of study. That sounds like a great job. It's so interesting to study our ability to have or increase willpower. And this woman's name is Kelly McGonigal. And she actually breaks willpower down into three forces. And she identifies them as I will, I won't. And I want. All right. If this isn't a sermon in the making, I don't know what could possibly be. I will. I won't. I I want. So Catchy. I I really want you to break those down for us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if you're trying to increase your own willpower in an area of your life, pay attention. So I will is just like it sounds. And we have to have all three of these in order to achieve our goals. We can't just have one of them. So the I will force of willpower is identifying what we will do. Mm -hmm. This is where we make it clear what we want to stop putting off. Okay. So this is our ability to say yes when we want to say no. Right. Okay. So for example, in preparing for the podcast this week, I was putting it off. I just love this topic and the perfectionist in me wanted to get it perfect. So I kept putting off preparing for it because I care so much about it. So my I will became I will set aside an hour on Monday morning to prepare for the podcast. Okay, so just jump in there. One, I want to acknowledge Julie's perfectionistic tendencies. (laughs) It's a thing. I just want to let them know it's there. (laughs) It's real. In the sense of the Positive Talk podcast, we hold these two things. Conflicting (laughs) opposites. There is nothing in me that is a perfectionist. So when Julie and I come together, I always go to her side. It's a good balance. Because she always wins. No. And that's just how it works. No. So, <laughs> okay. So I will, I love this, that when you said, I will set aside an hour, mm-hmm. the I will isn't, okay, I will write a thousand words. It was, I'm going to take a step toward that, that is what I'm willing to do. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. This is, I think it's a big differentiation. Mm-hmm. And those measurable steps are important yeah. too. Now, the second area of willpower is I won't. So you can't have I will without I won't. Right. Okay. So this leads us toward the same goal, but in the opposite way. So whereas I will is the ability to say yes when we want to say no, yep. I won't is, again, the opposite. It's our ability to say no when we want to say yes. So we've talked about this before, Chuck. Anytime you say yes to something... You are, by default, saying no to something else. Absolutely. Right? So in terms of the podcast prep, I was choosing to say no to some work in my private practice that's important but not as time sensitive. Mm -hmm. So in this area, it's important to identify what you'll have to give up or do less of to make your goal happen. Maybe it's I won't sleep in so I can get up and work out, whatever that might be. Do you think that while you're working on the I wills and I won'ts, Mm -hmm. do you think there is... um, value to capturing that on something other than just a thought? 
Yeah, writing it down for sure. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so weird about that because in my life, there is something magical mm-hmm. when I say, this is this is what I'm going to do today, yeah. and this is what I refuse to do today. Right. Well, if you remember on Monday, I sent you a message and said... Yeah. Here's the topics. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> are are you are we still good with these topics? I will send you my part by three because I knew that mm-hmm. I needed to get that out. I needed to write that down. Yep. I needed to have that. Uh, um, and see, Julie knows that odds are good I would never send that note <laughs> yeah. because that would lock me down to having to commit all the way to what I will and won't do. Won't really won't do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to do it or else I'd be. I don't freaked know. Out. I just I wouldn't be That's focusing a on it. Technical term. Freaked out. <laughs> yeah, clinical term. So I think it's also important to re frame our thought patterns surrounding mm-hmm. this, right? And you, you mentioned this earlier, Chuck, you know, when I feel the lactic acid burning in my muscles during a hard workout, I have reframed it as a positive thing because right. I know, you know, the purpose of my exercise time is to get stronger. Right. Um, I remind myself that if it doesn't challenge me, it won't change me. I like that. And so the final part of willpower, I will, I won't, is um, I want, okay? Mm. And you mentioned this earlier. Having a long-term goal helps us tolerate that discomfort in the interim of the change process, right? So if my I want for the podcast prep was I really want to share some content that's helped me immensely in my own life, and that long-term goal, when placed in front of me, it helped me tolerate the discomfort of sitting down to prepare when I was tired and there's, I just wanted to do a thousand other things. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we return to this I want in moments when we're feeling the opposite right. of our goal and we're right. having trouble staying the course. So this might be you remembering your I want, like I want to have healthy relationships. So yes, even mm-hmm. though it hurts in this moment to set a boundary... I know that long-term I'm creating a life where I have healthy relationships. Absolutely. And so setting these boundaries now, as un- uncomfortable as they might be, it sets the stage for a future of relationships where maybe you wouldn't feel constantly manipulated or right, maybe you would right. feel valued. So I think we can do this in a number of different areas of our life. Yeah, I do too. You know, I, I'm reminded of, I've spent a lot of my life, Julie, helping organizations try to work together. Mm-hmm. And we use this little formula when you work with teams, whether it's in a not-for-profit or faith-based or or a for-profit entity. And that is, you know, if we set this, if you set this desired outcome, mm-hmm. then for us to accomplish that, it has to be clear, right. which is the why. Mm-hmm. It has, it has, it has to be not just clear, but it has to be common. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, what is my part of our job? Mm-hmm. But the the big element, it has to be compelling. I want mm, to do this. I want to. Yeah, that's what helps you stay focused. Yeah. So in essence, tolerating the opposite of what we desire for a season can indeed help us rewire our brain to choose long-term goals over short-term discomfort. I I love how you describe that. That, that is truly just thinking differently mm-hmm. and those that, that neuroplasticity mm-hmm. happening when our brain begins to shape and form how we see it, which mm-hmm. then changes everything about how we act upon it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to do that, we need the skills to say no when we need to say no, yes when we need to say yes, and the ability to remember what is it that we really are trying to achieve. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not only does this process rewire your brain, it also recalibrates 
your nervous system. So I think sometimes when people, especially in this culture now where anxiety is running rampant, we forget that our nervous systems are really heightened um, in these times. And so if we view any bit of discomfort as a threat, then we shy away from things that could help us grow. Mm -hmm. But when we start to face into our discomfort because we're able to remember what we really want, we stop, we take a deep breath, we reframe the discomfort as growth, Mm -hmm. and we begin to become a person who sees challenges as opportunities rather than threats. And that's not, those aren't semantics. No. That is literally change. It's life change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it seems like this principle is laid out in scripture as well. I'd love to hear your thoughts, Chuck. So, you know, at the risk of sounding overly spiritually simplistic, I I would say that most of what, uh, most of what Christ teaches us Mm -hmm. is pretty simplistic. Mm Mm-hmm. It, you know, we, we make it complicated, yeah. but the concept of holding two opposites, competing thoughts, if you will, it is so freeing mm-hmm. because you're not locked down to a certainty that you're truly not certain of because somebody told you to be certain of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, which is kind of the whole thing in a lot of the American faith system. Religion. Yeah. yeah. Somebody in a religious authoritative role says, this is how you should think. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, it's like, Holy crap, that's what I have to think, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's the view, in my opinion, of a divine God as creator and sustainer in whom all things are possible. And to me, that's the whole key. Yeah. Like, however we view God, mm-hmm. the one view that, that helps us truly a- a- attain and achieve life-altering change yeah. for our good is always through the belief that our creator could do anything, will do anything, has done everything, and can do anything in and through us. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's no box that he fits in. I heard a pastor say to, um, I, was a, I was young in ministry, and I heard a pastor say, that is not how God works. Hmm. And I thought, how would you know how God works? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, do you have a hotline here or what? Yeah, me- you know, because God can do within and around our lives anything he chooses. Yeah. I mean, it, it truly is the dispelling of the belief that we are certain of all God can and might do. Mm-hmm. And as creator, sustainer, and control of the universe, God is capable of any and all things. Yeah. So this is freeing us from holding on to certainty that we know or must know all that God knows. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, I know folks in my profession that feel like, I have to know everything about God. And the, and the scripture itself says, you're never going to. Yeah. Just set yourself free There's of that. There's a humility there of recognizing yeah. that. Like, you know, so how did God create the earth? I don't know. I just know that God created the heavens and the earth, right? Mm-hmm. Am I really worried about the rest of it? Or how is God going to end the earth? Well, well, I kind of know where I'm going. I'm pretty certain what's happening here. But outside of that, you know, do your thing, God. Mm-hmm. You know, but, <laughs> but there's so much freedom in that. Yeah, Because, yeah, I mean, if the freeing thing of... Just letting certainty roll off of us. If we don't, it's like the T-shirt that I saw some time back. And on the front it said, there's only one God. And on the back it said, and you're not him. <laughs> yeah. you know? But I think that's how you know we, we live our lives in that yeah. way. That we think we are our own God and the God of other people. Absolutely. I mean, it really is like, uh, I, this is the easiest solution I can think of. is like creation. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, I've had people literally say to me, you you can't even really know God if you don't believe he created the heavens and the earth and all of creation in six literal 24-hour days. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, you're on crack. 
You know, I mean, that makes no sense to me at all. Like, I think you can make an argument for it, yeah. right? But I mean, that's all you've got. Yeah. I mean, what if, what if, what if God chose over 130 million years to say, "I'm going to clap and we're going to put all this into place"? Does it still? Does it change the reality that God created the heavens and the earth? No, He no, did it. Right? Why do we argue about that? Right. <laughs> so the core isn't that you have to believe with certainty that you know all these things, but that you can know. God created the heavens and the earth. Opposites. Scripture is replete with us trying to grasp and hold on to what that feels like. Such as, mm-hmm. um, if you want, if you want to gain your life, you Don't lose it. Lose it. Yeah. But you know, and again, in our American religiosity, the the whole concept of losing your life sounds horrible. Yeah. But the way in which Scripture teaches it is, okay, this is what happens when humility enters your life and you can surrender those things that are literally dragging you down and hand them off to a God who loves you. Yeah, the idea of losing your life sounds awful if it's not put in context with you're actually going to gain. Yeah, yeah. So look at look at like all of the junk going on in America Mm -hmm. today, right? So one of the things that Scripture throws at us and it's like a big splat up against a brick wall is when the scripture would say, if you want to be first, mm. you must become last. last. Yeah. So I'm always reminded of a book I read some time ago that great leaders always are last in line, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So they're the last to eat. Yeah. Well, and then even Jesus himself said, if you want to be great, you must become a servant. servant. I mean, that makes yeah. no sense. Yeah. I heard an author years ago, Julie say, if you really want to measure kind of where you're at on this scale, Ask yourself, how did you act the last time somebody treated you like a servant? Mm. And then you kind of know your stage in life. Wow, that's so good. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, I think of strength is made perfect in weakness, right? right? All of these things, we tolerate the opposite um, because we believe in something greater than our present reality. We don't ignore our reality. Um, As we say here a lot on the Positive Talk podcast, um, Thinking positively and living positively is not about ignoring the negative. It's about redeeming it. And change is not about ignoring or trying to sidestep the process, the sometimes difficult process of getting there. It's about living in it and moving through it um, and being able to be confident that there's purpose in it. Because there is no magic pill. Right. You know, there's no change pill. Mm-hmm. No matter how bad you want to take that pill at night and you lose 30 pounds in a week, it doesn't happen. No. So I, I, I trust that you've enjoyed these conversations on change. Uh, next week's topic should be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we think about all of the weird junk going on in the world and how do we cope with that, that's, that should be a really interesting conversation. How to be okay when the world around you isn't. Ouch. So thanks so much for joining us. We really, we just, from Julie and I both, you have no idea how grateful we are that you continue to listen and share and uh, thousands of folks join us each week. And we're just, that just blesses us beyond measure. So uh, Julie, you're, you're, you're a psych therapist and yet you are so understandable. And I just think that's cool. I have you to translate then we're in real trouble. (laughs) (laughs) So here, where we try to merge faith and psychology, we really believe that we can all live a more peace-filled and purposeful life. Mm -hmm. And we'll be back next week for another episode. And remember, you can always find all of Season 1 and Season 2 on the Positive Talk Podcast on our website, which is positivetalkpodcast.com. And we'd love for you to follow us on Instagram at Positive Talk Podcast. Thanks again for listening. Trust you'll go in peace and have a great week. 
Thanks again for joining us for this week's episode of the Positive Talk Podcast. Julie and Chuck will be back next Thursday with another positive conversation as they merge faith and psychology. Have a great day, and as always, go in peace.